1: It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Omar Rusanda Amadou. and tonight I'm here with... Akusia Oche, And coming up over the next 90 minutes, trade and industry minister Katie Hammond to know his fate on the contempt case brought against him in October. Meanwhile, James Jachikwisin, the man who has the minister in court, may have to do his own cross-examination after the court said his lawyer's absence will not stop the case from proceeding. Also coming up, the family of a 14-year-old British national who allegedly died under mysterious circumstances at the St. Peter's Mission School at Ogbojo in Accra is calling for a thorough police investigation into the matter after the outcome of the autopsy. Is Eyewitness News. We're coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. There's also business later in some 50 minutes from now.
2: Yes, independent power producers consider shutting down their power plants over the government's failure to settle 2.5 billion cities' debt owed them.
1: That's in 50 minutes from the business desk of CTFM and CDTV. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations. Uh, we are also on CityNewsroom.com. We are on YouTube. We are on Facebook. If you want to know which affiliate stations you can listen to us as you move out of Accra. If you're going to the northeast region, we are in Waliwali on Ego 94.1 FM. We are in the upper west region on Westlink 88.1 FM in Laura. We are in upper east on Wed 88.3 FM in Zwarungu. We are in northern region on Dasuma 99.1 FM in Yendi. We are in the Volta region on Akpini 96.7 FM in Kwando and Heritage 107.3 FM in Hohe. In the Ashanti region, we are on Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi. In half region, we are on Hammers 106.5 FM in Gorsu. In Bono region, on Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani. If we go to the Western region, we are on Premier 100.5 FM, Beach 105.5 FM and Sky Power 93.5 FM. FM, all of them based in Takoradi. You can join the discussion by sending your messages on WhatsApp 0549-986-996, 0549-986-996, Alternatively, you can go on Twitter and drop a message there. The WhatsApp number is 0... Okay, the Twitter number is... Uh, the Twitter handle is at Umaru Sanda. You can also tweet at CT973. And the world will hear what you think. This is Eyewitness News coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. Let's settle for details of our stories now. And uh, we start from the courts. Um, Now, the issue has to do with a contempt case that we currently um, are seeing in in the courts. It's a contempt case that has been brought by uh, the Member of Parliament for Asin North James Jachikwisin, against uh, the Member of Parliament for uh, Dancia Asukwa, um, Member of Parliament, who is Minister also for Trade and Industry, Katie Hammond. We'll be hearing more on this particular story in a bit. Meanwhile, other things have been happening in the court. It has to do with um, James Jachikwisin. And the court has been making some statements in relation to the work of uh, James Jachikwezi and whether or not, if, if his absence, uh, if his lawyer is absent, he would have to uh, do his own cross examination. Akusya uh, has that story for us. Akusya, uh, just share with us what the court has been saying.
2: The judge presided, or presiding over the James Judge in trial has warned that she will make the Asinoth MP continue and enter the cross-examination of prosecution's first witness, Richard Tichmans, on Monday if his lawyers are not present. This follows the court's decision to refuse a request by lawyers of the accused to agenda the case to October or November. On Friday, lawyers of the accused were expected to conclude cross-examination of the prosecution's first witness. However, his lawyers were not present as the lawyer on record, Justin Teriwaya, wrote to the court notifying the judge of a three-day medical excuse given to him by his doctor. Based on that, he requested for the case for Friday be adjourned, but added in the letter that the case be adjourned to a period after the legal break, which will end in the first week of October. He explained that his client, Judge would not be available during a legal break, as he will be out of the jurisdiction for medical attention. He also indicated that Chachutikata will not be available within the same period. Deputy Attorney General Alfred Tuaibwa supported the request for adjournment on Friday, but opposed the request for the return date to be scheduled after the legal break. He prayed the court to rather agenda the case to Monday, July 31. But Judge Justice Mary Mami Ikwe Yanzo uh, agenda the case to Monday, July 31, with a caution that a cross-examination of Prosecution Witnesses 1 will be continued by the Asin of MP if his lawyers are not available on Monday, July 31. Let's
1: remain in the courts. and The High Court has scheduled October 19 to deliver its ruling on the contempt case involving Katie Hammond, the Member of Parliament for Adansia Square. This case was filed by the lawyers of James Jachikwesin. The member of parliament for Asin North, in response to comments made by Katie Hammond during a media interview, which were considered, of con- which he considered contemptuous, during the interview, the trade minister allegedly likened James Jatikuesin's case to that of Adamu Adamudramani Sakandi, and insinuated that the Asin North MP would face a similar fate. James Jatikuesin's team had dropped to had hoped to proceed with the case on Friday, but it was adjourned. That's today. The court has instructed both parties to submit their written arguments by August 31. Director of Legal Affairs of the NDC, Abraham Maliba, who represented James Jachikwisin, addressed the press after proceedings.
3: Are you aware that uh, there has uh, been a contempt application filed against Katie Amon? And so today was the day stated for the matter to be heard. And so when we came to court, don't forget that we had already come to court on this matter, and the court ordered that if we have to file any process, we need to do that before 25th of July. And so we filed our supplementary affidavit on the 25th of July. Today we are back in court, and the court has stated that we should file written addresses. He doesn't want oral submissions We shall file our written addresses on the 31st of august but return to court on the 19th of october for the ruling the minister made comments he made comments and those are the comments that we have brought to court those comments we think affect the trial of james james
1: so that's a member of the head of the legal affairs committee of the national democratic Congress, NDC, abraham Amaliba. Now, it has to do with uh, Dancia Square, Member of Parliament, who is also Minister for Trade and Industry. We actually have him on the line now. Honorable Katie Hammond or Honorable Kobna Tahir Hammond, you're welcome to Eyewitness News.
4: How are How are you?
1: I'm well, thank you. In journalism school, I was taught that the repetition of a defamatory comment constitutes fresh defamation, but you are a lawyer, so I don't need to quote that to you, except to say that we wanted to have a clarification. Uh, we remember that during the election of 2020, 2012, uh, some of the persons were told to go and atone for their sins by going on radio and uh, withdrawing the statements they made and apologizing. Others already did that before appearing and they were forgiven. What is your case in court? Uh, do you feel you were misquoted or you agree with what you said as being contemptuous and you wish to apologize? Which is your position?
4: Um, well, well I, I don't recall what you are talking about, uh, uh, but... If you made a comment and uh, uh, you clearly with some legal advice, or maybe after rational thinking, you believe that uh, uh, your language was uh, offensive to the essence of the court, uh, you, you quickly apologize, you withdraw and apologize. Um, but that's not what I did. I, I had uh, the voice of, uh, you said, uh, one of the lawyers. Uh, Abraham Maliba. Uh, and he said he's one of the NBC lawyers. If you come to NBC, kcm or NBC MPP, I am told that it was a chief Christian or so who is dragging me to, um, uh, to the court, even though I realized that uh, he wasn't the person um, swearing an affidavit to get me there. Rather, a person or a lawyer called Kerweja is the person who, who swears to uh, the poses an affidavit and uh, verifying uh, certain facts. Um, I, I don't know. These are matters uh, with the court. But, um, yes, mine is completely different. And that is why you realize that I haven't gone there with my... my but I haven't gone there pleading and asking for forgiveness because uh, I'm clear in my mind. I haven't committed any any, any such contemptuous uh, um, thing. Um, I, I made a remark um, uh, the remark was in the context of uh, principles. You see, I'm a lawyer. Yes, I am. Uh, it's for a very long time. I do understand the concept of uh, um, contempt of court. So um, I made a statement, a statement uh, in the context of uh, principles about uh, decisions that have been uh, handed down uh, by the Supreme Court. And um, I made a reference to a case uh, which uh, is uh, the it is all well done, rather notorious in the country. So I, I particularly don't understand why anybody would want to take me to court as such, for the fact that uh, I am case you have.
1: So the way contempt works, based on what my understanding is, is, that if you make a prejudicial comment to a case before the court, you are, you are deemed to have. Engaged in a contemptuous act, and that could be the reason that Teriwaja or or Kwesin or Ibrahim Amaliba, does I don't know if it matters who sent the case to court. Decided to take the case to court. You do not think mm-hmm. that you have said anything that is prejudicial no, to the that, trial?
4: that's, that's not been prejudicial at all. No, Even when you say that
1: the guy will be jailed, like like yes, uh, Akende? That's
4: what I say. And so I, I filed an affidavit. so an affidavit in court in which I, I, I've made my case. I think uh, there was no reference to it. You know, there was reference, um, uh, it hasn't been discussed. But I filed my affidavit. As I explained. to I explain it. In U.S. police uh, apply for a copy of my affidavit. Uh, I've made it pretty clear why I said that. The Supreme Court, in the case of this same Jesse Kwasin, I've made it very clear that the case of J. T. question is on, on all fours. In fact, the court was so emphatic that it's on all fours with the case of uh, uh, our friend uh, who, who died, uh, the Kenny. It's there in black and white. So I made that comment that the Supreme Court has said that A, B, C, D is on all false words list. And of course, the consequence I, I, I thought would be the same. So my comment, my, whatever I'm supposed to have said, um, was um, a comment uh, was made in the context of that, rather uh, than prejudicial um, to, 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 to the marketing court. So I've gone in, I've uh, put in my statement and uh, said that uh, I'm not guilty at all. Indeed, uh, you do know, though know that there's anyone in Ghana who has uh, put integrity of the judiciary and been fighting uh, for everybody to respect the integrity of the court. Uh, it's a sketchy happened When it came to other people, including... Uh, judges who also uh, double as chiefs, making all those um, outrageous comments about uh, matters in court. I stood up and said that could not be, because that that that's actually contemptuous. I know that, so I won't be the same person uh, to to fall into the trap of making comments uh, that, in the end, uh, would have the result of uh, uh, embarrassing the court or. or a prison, uh, debate,
1: uh, that is, uh, mm. The last time or the most recent time we saw something around contempt was when Dr. Michael Peser White had to appear before the Supreme Court. He apologized and he was forgiven. Uh, you are not approaching the, 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 no, the,
4: you, the you, court. The, the, uh, 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 what about his name, was, uh, White, uh, you remember Pesa- the was, White. White. To face the Supreme Court and thinking, oh, I could not as scandalous comments. I couldn't possibly, in my right frame of mind, say anything like that about the, the judiciary of Ghana. It's nothing like that. It was nothing to do with the court. I said that uh, this is what uh, the person is accused of doing. The Supreme Court has said that a person who previously did a civil action ended up this way. I see from what is happening, what is going on, that, that person is trending the same uh, course that the Supreme Court has described. Well, how does that become uh, prohibitional uh, to the court? So uh, I made my case to the court. And, uh, um, today, the uh, suggestion, uh, well, no, it's not really suggestion. The reason was that um, I found my faith. You think they have some other sense uh, that they work hard. They should, uh, the guy actually, the last uh, one who appeared, Ask them if they have seen my davis, you know, whatever that they want to say about it. I I think they said they wanted to go back and uh, make, uh, file some further affidavit response to what I've said. Um uh, I think uh, today uh, yeah, I had been uh, been told that the hearing was at uh, 11:30, but apparently it was uh, any other. That's So my lawyers were there. Uh, they, they they did it in my absence, but I told that uh, the court said that uh, whatever they have. They should now go and put it in the written for calling within submission. Put all of that in your written submission. My lawyer should also put hours in the written submission. Um, and then uh, five, I think by August or so, and then October, sometimes October 16th or so, I have a leadership that uh, will make a, a ruling.
1: Now, the reason I was referencing Professor White was to say, it means you are not going to apologize, but you are going to defend yourself and say you have not done it.
4: No, 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 no. That is right. You know, you get When you when you make a comment in the fact that is a stupid judicial, stupid supreme court. For oh, Christ's sake, you have to do something better than just yes apologizing. You know, that's atrocious. But I'm telling you, I haven't done anything as scandalous as that. So, I mean, whoever it was that made that comment, I realized with the advice of the lawyers that he has he asked very badly. He, he couldn't say that. So quickly went and begged, apologized, and then the court said, okay, I mean, if you realize the, 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 the seriousness of the, the statement that you've made, it's all right. Um, uh, that's fine. You know, So that is the kind of thing you are talking about. I haven't done anything as as, as 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 serious and bad as that. I mean, this is you remember the Munji three and all that. We all around when all this is uh, made the uh, the country, um, so um, uh, we know what we're talking about. But uh, I'm telling you, I haven't done anything that remotely I approximates I anything. Um, that 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 that's, that's you 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 know you know about. I, I haven't done it at all. So if I sin if I got it wrong, I will be the first person to uh, um, to raise up my hands, bang to rights. You know? uh, i I got it wrong. Uh, again But I'm telling you, I have not done any sightseeing I've only made a comment in the context of the discussion of uh, uh, what we call the, we call it stir uh, decisive uh, uh, it's what we call the precedent. What the court has said is binding. On the evidence of higher courts, in this case, the uh, Supreme Court is binding on all lower courts. So I made this comment in that context. As um, for, for the court to decide, for, yeah. for what I said is wrong. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of... Uh, I'm telling, actually, if altogether. together but a, they wouldn't force me to admit that this is uh, this is uh, uh, contemptuous of the court. Well, clearly, far, far, far removed from your idea of contempt. At least that's
1: how I think. Very well. We'll wait to see what happens October 19. I wish you all the best. Now, let me okay. talk about something that uh, is happening at your ministry. In fact, this is our first interview since you went to the Ministry of Trade and Industry. How is the ministry treating you, sir? Oh, we're good. I mean,
4: you speak with me. I'm in the office now. We're all right. Mm.
1: There's a discussion in Parliament around tax exemptions for one district, one factory. Uh, the 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 factories therein, and the fact that there's a delay over it. W- what seems to be the problem?
4: Uh, but, uh i i came to to beat a pile of uh, we, we got uh, let me put it this way uh, we've got uh, a flashing government program called one district one factory that measures, uh, the government is taking uh, to help uh, uh, private entrepreneurs who are able to set up uh, factories uh, in, uh, in the in the out of the country throughout um, the, whole, the whole country and, uh, one of the uh, uh, Advantages uh, of, uh, of uh, the program we put in place is that any company which shows interest in, 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 in the program will be entitled to, so, to some uh, tax exemptions. I came to meet uh, a pile of them on my table, and uh, the reason uh, I'm told is that the uh, uh, they have not been able to push them through to Parliament uh, to, to waive the taxes. You you know it's all a simple matter of waiving taxes. It's only Parliament, uh, which constitutionally, is able to waive uh, those taxes. Uh, but I, I came to realize that um, quite a few uh, were, were, were still outstanding. And the reason why that was the case uh, was because um, somehow it hasn't gone through the Finance Committee of Parliament, chaired by one of our colleagues, uh, and so the matters haven't come to the plenary um, for um, uh, for the, the House to approve. Uh, it's been going on for some time, so I myself uh, uh, call the attention of the Speaker uh, to this matter. A, there is a, 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 a you know, standing orders this as a provision. When the reference is made by the Speaker, it has to be... I'm completed, The work on it has been completed, and return uh, to, to the plenary, the speaker informed, the house informed, uh, within uh, uh, three, three, uh, three months. It's been going on for some time now, and it's delaying the, the, the project uh, that uh, we're undertaking under one b one day. So I, I invited uh, the speaker to get the committee to expedite action on the, on the uh, approval of these uh,
1: how is that affecting the general output of the ministry because one d one f is a huge policy promised by by the party when it was in opposition, and the government started implementing it since twenty seventeen I believe that this this particular challenge would would affect the overall performance of your ministry.
4: Well, you we, we wouldn't say no but role. I mean, I'm not happy about it, and so I'm, I'm working as seriously uh, with, uh, with the leadership of uh, the house to so make sure that uh, we, we, we have the, the approvals uh, in good time. It's it's not it's not it's not helping us, uh, uh, frankly. So it's so, not so, it's so not helping us. But uh, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't I wouldn't say that uh, affecting the generality of whatever we do here uh, we would have been better off if somehow these approvals uh, have come through earlier but um, i am told that GRA uh, has some other procedures um, which they they i think they have adopted to make sure that uh, some of this uh, um, equipment are uh, 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 made available on some other through some other system to the manufacturers or the importers um, so what, what is going on was uh, we will we, we, we try hard to make sure that uh, the approvals are, are, are given. I, I am I, I am clear that uh, uh, when Parliament is rising in the next uh, so many days. Uh, I'm sure uh, the Finance Ministry will be able to wheel uh, almost all the rest um, to the uh, to the clock to Parliament uh, to await our return uh, from uh, the recess. Uh, I, I think we'll, we'll get them through.
1: How many companies are we talking about, though?
4: Oh, quite a few. Quite a few. Um, um, uh, quite a few. Uh, the last, uh, I was told, uh, were about uh, over 50. Over 50 of them have uh, outstanding issues relating to um, uh, uh, those games.
1: And, and and does it mean that they have not been constructed at all, They or they are ready to operate, but they
5: That's
4: need what that? I said, uh, some of them have actually paid uh, to facilitate the clearance of their goods. Some of them have had to pay some money, and a few other things. It's not a happy situation. We shouldn't have uh, come to this. Uh, where the government is committed uh, to staggering all of its um, responsibilities and obligations to these companies, so they could uh, also achieve uh, uh, whatever their projects are, but um, um, we we, we are not there yet. Uh, We we have completed the the verification of uh, these transactions. Uh, I'm talking about the that's yet, but I think we'll get there.
1: Finally, before you go, you recently visited Gihok, uh, over agitations by the staff in relation to um, uh, the fact that they suspect the company was on the verge of collapse, uh, we are told the factory hasn't produced anything the whole of July. Uh, do you have any latest information on the state of affairs at Gihawk and how you are dealing with that? No, I, I I
4: don't have that information. The fact that nothing has been produced the uh, whole of July, I don't have that information. Yeah, but yes, I went there. and there, there were a few issues uh, with the. the, the the high level of uh, uh, employees, and, uh, whether they were all buckling. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, they, they, they really needed to be that level of uh, employment considering all that was going on. And there are some agitations here and there, but we, we managed to settle those things. I actually asked for some comprehensive report uh, to be made to me. Um, I haven't I haven't seen that yet, but uh, I haven't heard about any more. Like, so I'm sure they are there. They are,
1: they are, they are. Very well. We hope they are. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Eh?
4: You're very welcome.
1: That's the Honorable Katie Hamon, his Minister for Trade and Industry and MP for Adansia Square. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We'll be back with more. Please stay with us.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on eyewitness news. On Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag eyewitness news.
1: Welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. We've been busy with what's happening in the courts. We spoke to the Minister of Trade, Honorable uh, Katie Hammond, a short while ago. Uh, Now, before then, we also told you the story about James Jachikwason, and the judge presiding over his case has warned that she would make the Asin North MP continue and end the cross-examination of prosecution's first witness, that's Richard teche on Monday, if his lawyers are not present. Now, this is part of a uh, number of decisions that have been taken. There was a request for an adjournment to the next um, to to the end of the legal vacation. Uh, the deputy AG who was in court holding a brief of the Attorney General's Department did not agree with that. The court agreed with the deputy AG. The Honorable Alfred Tuan is the Deputy Attorney General. He's joined me on the line now for more on James Jachikwisin. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News.
6: Thank you very much, my brother.
1: First of all, I, I do not understand this bit where the judge says she's going to make the MP cross-examine the prosecution witness himself. Um, Is it the case that the lawyer has gone AWOL?
4: Thank you very much.
6: Uh, Let me put this in in the proper uh, perspective. PW1, who happens to be our first witness, has been in the witness box since... 12th of July 2022. So, for over one year, 16 days, a simple cross examination that the counsel for the accused person said was going to use two hours to do has taken us such a period. To the one we went to court, counsel for the accused had sent a letter to the effect that he was indisposed and had been given. Three days' exclusivity. That exclusivity is dated 27th, yesterday. And we know that the courts will be going on vacation by the close of Monday, 31st of July. So I made a point that you can't have one witness being in the witness box on three different legal years. Because remember... July last year belonged to the previous year's legal year. Then we started last year's legal year. Then we want to take him to the third legal year. I mean, it's not something reasonable. So the judge, in her wisdom, said, fine. She may want that examination of the PW1 completed. For that matter, on Monday, we should be in court. Fortunately, on Monday, the accused person's counsel pay their skills duty will have resumed work, And that's why the judge added that. If counsel for the accused person does not show up, she may want the accused person
1: himself conducted for examination. Okay. Now, this means that whether or not the lawyer appears, the accused person will have to cross-examine the, the PW1. Uh, exactly. That, that's Witness what it, 1. But why would you subject um, a person who is in court to... Um, to do cross-examination when the person has paid a lawyer to do that for them, and they possibly don't have the legal prowess to cross-examine.
6: This is not the first time, my brother, you can check from the courts. It's done daily to either accused persons or parties in civil litigation. The judge may tell you, if your lawyer doesn't show up, I'll ask you to continue. It's not the first time. I mean, this one has been in existence for a very long time. So the judge only just informed him about that decision of this. But Monday is 31st. And based on what we were told today by counsel for that case person, he will be in court for us to continue hearing the matter.
1: The issue of adjournment and what I've seen in the court, usually there's a there's a proposal from the lawyer after they go through their diary and they check with the prosecution and the date is agreed, which date is now communicated to the judge who then either accepts or asks for another date. There are times you hear a lawyer say, oh, uh, I have another case in another town, I will not be available on this day. Prosecution may say something similar. Uh, the judge may not be available. You agree on a date. How come this time around the proposal was made for the next legal year by, by the defense team and you opposed to that, which opposition was accepted by the court?
6: Yes. Council at times agree on a date and to the, subject to the convenience of the court, that date is taken by the court. But that doesn't mean that whatever agreement that both counsel agreed on, the judge is bound to take it. Now, in this particular case, counsel for the accused suggested a date in either October or November. And I saw that, that, that suggestion as being very unreasonable in the circumstance that the PW has found himself in this particular case. And that's the reason why I, I said no. It was my view that since we have one more day to end the legal year, we will have to take advantage, advantage of it.
1: So it must be on Monday.
6: That is the order the court made today. I know that
1: the High Court has given you the permission uh, and said that the court will hear this Jachikwe case on a daily basis. There are political ramifications to that because members of parliament on the NDC side have decided to not be in parliament any day he is invited to the court. This is hampering the work of government which has to go through Parliament. You are not in Parliament, but you are the government's prosecutor general as a deputy. How do you hope to get out of this political quagmire where you have challenges in executing governance in Parliament and yet you are singly, you are prosecuting one single case? How important is James Jachikweson's trial? For which reason... Everything must grind to a halt. And why must there be daily trial for him? And critics have said Nana Pia Mensah was arrested, has been trying, sending trial forever. Several other persons have been mentioned. People who even killed members of parliament allegedly are not having to have daily trials. Why is the state interested in trying James Jachikwisin on a daily basis regardless of the consequence?
6: May I also ask a rhetorical question. Why not? Is Mr. Jacques question above other accused persons who, whose cases are also heard on daily basis? That's a key question. Is it the fact that if you an MP and the court decides which is another arm of government that is going to hear your case on a daily basis, the court should stop it? In any event, since that order was made, you can check over the last two months whether you've been to the to the court for a year more than two times in a week. At best, we we're going to court once a week because our judge has made it clear to all the parties that the fact that she had ordered that the case will be heard day to day but doesn't mean that every day because there will be other circumstances. For example, we're in court today, counsel for the accused person brought a letter that is in this post. We couldn't go on. We will go to court another time, the judge will himself or even from our side. So it doesn't mean that it's casting stone and iron. Is something that is done in all the other courts, most of the other courts. Go to Tamale. And those who listen to me Tamale, you may have some cases there that the judge, one I know one of the courts, the judge has been hearing the matter from Monday to Friday, five days, every day. Why is that person not complaining? Is the person not a Ghanian? The person not contributed to the development of Ghana? I believe in equality before the law. I also believe that an MP must perform his duty conceded. But that does not mean that when an MP is involved in a matter, he must be a special dispensation different from the farmer, where the farmer is also a citizen and again, he must also work.
1: Okay, but it still does not explain the other part. These cases you talk about, which are heard on daily basis, they do not affect the work of government in Parliament. This particular one is. Are you not bothered?
6: Uh, it, 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 it's a problem a bit if you have other members of Parliament saying that they may want to follow their colleagues to Parliament at their court on each court date. If we want to go along that route, I think it's quite unfortunate because they also have their responsibility to, to discharge in Parliament. They may want to with within no problems with it, but that does not mean that if the if court decides that the case, the case should be held on a specific date because that order has been made, we, 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 we should not go on. It's a border, but we must also go on. One, one arm of the of government should not wait for the others. There must be a cooperation. The cooperation is that the court has given indication that day to day, by not cast in stone.
1: When the NDC says what you are doing is persecution and not prosecution, because the gentleman was um, was re-elected, his people like him, and that uh, you should drop what you are doing because you are simply. You know persecuting ndc mps in the house of parliament what would be your response to that
6: i would say that argument is very weak if you are saying that someone has won elections and because of that prior to because of that he should be prosecuted for offences committed prior to his election then you are opening the, the, the way for other social commit crimes go stand for elections win and then raise that one as an insurance flag so as a developing country we are developing our laws we must make sure that if people commit crimes they are taken through the due process people should not use their position as insurance against prosecution if you win elections i'm proud to the winner of that election you've committed any crime don't be expecting that because you've won the state regardless whichever uh, party may be in power should just yes, discontinue the case no
1: the Attorney General's Department is not new to making concessions and analyzing issues and deciding where to let go and where to prosecute. In fact, there is a law that gives you the power to drop a charge against a person without even explaining the Noli Prosecutor. You've been begged by NDCMBs, including the High Court judge, to exercise that right. You have not. But the question that would arise is that why do you have to continue in that manner? Even if you don't have to drop the charges against him, you can make it lenient for him so that he can proceed to do his work in Parliament. You can also proceed to get your work done in Parliament. And then you can continue with the prosecution. Are you suggesting that Nolly only prosecutors off the table, this prosecution will continue?
6: Nulli prosequi is not something we've considered, unless maybe later we may want to consider it, because we've not found the basis to enter knowledge prosequi in this particular case. You spoke about begging. I've never heard any member of the NDC begging. It's about ordering. That's the difference. If your client is taking it because as a lawyer, and realise that your client, you may want to take another step, whether to take advantage of a plea bargaining act or any other step. Is it by barbarous or two? Ordering the ordering the, the state to, do don't do it. Do it if you don't do it. A B or C, no. So it's our opinion that if it becomes necessary for that stranger to activate his powers, to enter knowledge for the it can be done or to withdraw the charges. But as we speak now, looking at where we got into the evidence that we have, we don't have any basis to enter N P in this particular case.
1: Very well. Be- before you go, I I spoke to you recently about uh, someone who was working with the now defunct capital bank, uh, Emmanuel Atuisien. He was um, found guilty by the court, but there was a rule that the parties came under where he was supposed to make some payments to the state. It emerged that that payment was not done and the state went back to the court and asked that he be jailed. Do you have a brief on the status of that case as we speak?
6: Yes. We were in court yesterday for the court to ascertain for whether he has paid the outstanding sum. Unfortunately, unfortunately for him and unfortunately for us, the judge did not sit yesterday. For that matter, the case has been adjourned to the 12th of October.
1: Very well. We'll wait to see what happens then. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Sir. You're welcome, my brother. That's Honourable Alfred Tsunya He's a deputy at the Attorney General's Department. So He's a deputy attorney general, a minister. Of justice. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Adabra, in Accra. Um, we are also live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations and across the globe on ctnewsroom.com. We'll come back from this break and talk about an assault case in WA and uh, the decision of the court on
0: the student involved. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
2: the War Magistrate Court has convicted a final year student of the Wa Technical School to a fine of two thousand Ghana cities for fiscally assaulting a housemaster of the school, Ishmael Musafroko. The fine is to help cater for the cost of treatment of the teacher. The student, Yusuf Mudayir was convicted on his own plea... after the court presided over by Maxwell Brown Tirigu... found him guilty of the crime. The court also directed that a student should sign a bond... of a good behaviour for one year... or in default be imprisoned for the same period. A second accused person, Salifu Razak... in relation to the assault on the teacher... failed to appear before the court while Christian Kesey uh, has been discharged after investigations revealed his innocence in the crime.
1: This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF and we are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. Let's bring you a story that the City Newsroom has been following for some time now. It has to do with the death of a 14-year-old British national a student who allegedly died under mysterious circumstances at the St. Peter's Mission School at Okbojo in Accra. We're told that the student fell off the fourth floor of the school and uh, died as a result. Let's hear from um, uh, the grandmother of uh, this particular boy. Um, who has been speaking to City News. Let's, let's listen to what she said before we return.
7: When the school headmaster picked me up to tell me the whole story, initially he told me that food I brought to the school the day be- that, that, that day before, looked, it seems to be dragged. So that caused my son to feel giddy and fall off, my grandson to feel giddy and, and fall off. Secondly, The doctors at Legon, they made me understand that the teachers who brought my dead dead grandson at 12.15 midnight said I, I was in intensive care on admission. I'm standing here. There was nothing wrong with me. They never phoned me. They told the doctor that they have brought my dead son because I am in intensive care in admission. A pack of lies. A pack of lies. And they said the food I brought to the school the day, be- the day before, 15th of May, seems to be drugged, and that caused my grandson to feel mm-hmm. giddy and drop off from the fourth floor. Standard no broken board. bones, no, 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 no broken arms, no, no, no broken legs, nothing, even not a head, a head crash. A standard, standard board has proved that there was no drug in my grandson's no body. No
2: common alcohol.
7: No alcohol. Yes. And, and, and the thing is... My, the, uh, 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 the, ma- the director of the school said, my grandson, he came on TV and said my grandson was dealing drugs at 14. And then when, the, when the, the the people who supplied the drug came to collect their money, because he had spent the money, he was jumping through fourth floor window to fall down. The injuries does not match the cock and bull story they had, they, they, the, the school proprietor was telling me.
1: That's a grandmother of a boy who fell off uh, the fourth floor of St. Peter's Mission School at in Accra, let's speak to the family head now, Ni Nikoi Ashali. Uh, Ni, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, grandma just described the story as a cock and bull story. Um, is it that you don't believe the narration as given to you by the school, or you believe that until you saw the autopsy report? Um,
4: initially, after visiting the site of the incident and the story that is said, then we realized. It was a cock and boo story indeed. Um, there was no correlation between what said and what we saw. So we started doubting it right from the inception that there was something wrong.
1: What did you find which uh, was alarming to you or, or raised eyebrows?
4: Okay. Uh, in fact, when we got to the Medina Police Station, because that was the first point of contact. And then the crime officer and everything decided that we should go to the site to visit. In fact, from what they told us from the police station, we decided we want to go. When we went, we, we met the proprietor who was waiting for us to take us round. So he did. In fact, He took us upstairs to the fourth floor where the police had already told us that our grandson and our son fell from that floor. When we went into the room, he led us to inspect the place. And he told us about the window that was being rehabilitated or being refurbished. So I, I took the opportunity to remove my phone And I took pictures of it, and I saw that the metal thing that was done to protect anybody from going through the window and falling down was an old thing. It was still there. In fact, the screws that was holding that window are still old and rafting. But we saw that there were new ones that have been created. And and unfortunately, um, the the, the nails that were planted in had the dust, which shows the machine that did the drilling. So we saw that, ah, why do we still have the old nails and there were new ones? And so we doubted it, that they were never doing any refurbishment or whatever. And in the presence of the police, There was a district commander, there was a crime officer, and everything. And I told them that. Why was the place not condoned? Because there has been a problem. Somebody had died um, with the idea that he was on drugs, and he had climbed upstairs where the masters who were taking care of them were. And they found out that he he was really intoxicated on drugs, they, 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 they fetched water, they bathed him, and they put him in bed, and he went to sleep. And they went downstairs to investigate what had happened. When they came back, our son and grandson had jumped through the window and had fallen down from the fourth floor downstairs. So we went round, took pictures about the dormitories, which were so inhabitable. According to human standards, and they took him to the back to see where he fell. Now, this is a fourteen year old boy who is six feet two. today that will even put him in the coffin. he was taller than a six feet two that was not could have fallen from the fourth floor, and the area that showed us that he fell was less than I would assume, two feet. We never saw any blood that has, you know, kind of... You know, normally when somebody dies... B- blood stains. You're blood talking out.
1: about blood stains on the floor.
4: The blood stains. And, and normally you would have seen the flow of the blood. Hello? You do not see that. Now, let me ask
1: this quick question. Are you saying that the school authorities were negligent, as in they did what they should not have done, or you are suspecting your your ward died as a result of something else and not falling off the fourth floor?
4: First of all, our grandson and son never fell from any fourth floor. So I'm trying to narrate the things that I saw, which does not add up to what the proprietor of the school told us. Okay. Because um, the blood that was there um, could not be even a pint of a canned milk. Looking at the height. Now, the pictures that we had from the Archimo, the Legon Hospital, okay, they took around there at 12 midnight, 12 midnight. And the doctor said that when the person died out of the hospital, there was a need to... To, to draw the attention of the police, or else we would not allow the body to into the police hospital. Now, those who took our son and grandson to the hospital said that the grandmother was been hospitalized and he was on drips, which was not true. They never called us. If really our son, grandson fell from the fourth floor immediately, and there was no way they could have resuscitated him from that great fall. So when we got to, when my 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 senior sister the grandma went to the hospital, we took pictures, and the boy was so intact. His bones, his body, was as fresh as a newborn baby. The only thing we saw was that there was a hit on his neck. He has lost all his teeth, and beneath his armpit, there were big cuts under one arm which is the right-hand side. So if somebody has fallen from a four-story building, we were expecting that it would have broken down in pieces. We have the pictures that we produce. So it meant that our son, grandson, was taken out of the school. He was murdered outside the school. They brought him back when everybody was asleep. And just took him to the spot. Either they had the blood and they spread a pitch of it around the place. And so we, we had to report because the British, he is a product. Our son is a British boy. We went to the British embassy. They advised that we should go to the police hospital and report. Okay. Now, this
1: this narration you've just given about the the boy you suspect was taken out, killed, and returned, you suspect this was done by criminals outside the school, or you think the school is complicit in this? Because we have called the school, and the school has not granted us an interview. The school says the police is doing an investigation. Who do you suspect may have done this, carry out, kill, and return?
4: Well, well you see, analytically, if the school is a boarding house and it's got the security and everything, definitely the boy cannot get out of the premises of the school. He's in the custody of the authorities of the school. Now, from what he saw and what they narrated having fallen from the fourth floor, and where he fell, and the quantum of blood that was there. Clearly, it was an indication that the thing never occurred in the school. And um, why was it at midnight, 12 a.m.? The autopsy will determine the period at which he died and the period at which he was taken to the hospital from the school. So, we were waiting for the autopsy to give us a definite idea of what transpired. And we are also waiting and depending on the homicide to tell us. But what they like, that the boy was on drugs. Because of that, during the autopsy, the internal part was was taken to the standard board. The report that came out was that he never took any drugs and was never poisoned. That means that what the school authorities told us, he was high on drugs and he was he met his teachers or the the hallmaster upstairs on the fourth floor that they bathed him with cool water and put him to sleep, it's all a lie. The, the... window that they were set, it was under fabrication or renovation, was also a lie. Nee, you Now, the you... drug that they said that it might have been the cause was also a lie by a report. So without all those things...
1: Ni, nee, I've seen the pictures. Um, do you know if... Your, your son had any members or group that he belonged to which may have engaged in... Because what I'm looking at uh, looks like his body was mutilated. It doesn't look like a fault to me, but of course experts will decide. Do you know if he belonged to any
4: group? Is there any possibility? that That is what the proprietor alleged. Now, if he's the custodian of the school and he's trying to portray the impression that Drugs are being sold in his school. That is detrimental to his reputation of the school where we have kids starting from primary school, GHS and SHS. He's alleging that that we pay over 16,000 cities to bring our kids to his school with all the security and the war to say that our, our son is a drug dealer in the school. Is that what he's saying? If our son is a drug dealer, in the school and his both that. whose responsibility is that? he has been there for a couple of months and years. is he saying that that is what is transpiring in his school that we... kids have brought and paid so much money and they have a cartel who deals in drugs and now the boy was on drugs now the report shows that he has never taken any drugs okay now, now, is he trying to say that because he deals in drugs, the, the cartel came and picked it up from his school and killed him outside? Ni,
1: I'm, I'm really sorry about this. Uh, please accept our condolences and thank you for speaking to
4: us. Yes. So we are happy the stations are involved. They started to say, now is our time. Having gotten all the reports, we want to prove. And we will, we will go along. Okay. Wish you all the best.
1: We wish you all the best in your quest to find justice. And thank thank you you for speaking to us. That's uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Ni Nikwe Ashali, he's a head of the family that lost a child, a 14-year-old boy, a British national, who was schooling at St. Peter's Mission School at Ogojo in Accra. The report earlier was that the boy fell from the fourth floor of the school. Now, pictures that have been shared with us by the family and which pictures are the reason that the family is making the case they are making is that it could not have been a fall but some other form of death and they are asking for some answers to be given them by the appropriate authorities this is eyewitness news on 97.3 CTF.
0: we'll be back with more <laughs> Get the details, details. every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed.
2: Time now for City Business News and Eyewitness News powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Akosia Otre. Let's settle for the details. The independent power producers, IPPs, are facing an imminent crisis, pushing them to consider shutting down their power plants if the government doesn't settle their debt exceeding 2 billion cities. Earlier, the IPPs refrained from shutting down after discussions with the Electricity Company of Ghana. However, the agreement seemed to have been breached, leaving the IPPs disappointed. The severity of the situation reached a critical point with the National Petroleum Corporation, that is uh, GNPC, unable to pay for gas transportation due to outstanding ECG payments. The looming shutting down of uh, the West Africa Gas Pipeline Company uh, further adds to concerns over a potential Crisis. Away from that, the chairman of the Trade and Industry Committee of Parliament has expressed worry over the inability of the House to work on tax exemptions for one district, one factory firms in the country. The committee bemoans that the finance committee had the referrals of tax exemptions since 2021, but has failed to present its report for consideration of Parliament. Away from that, economist Courage Buti has expressed concern over tightening credit conditions, adding that they make it increasingly challenging for both businesses and consumers to borrow. He fears that the situation could lead to restricted investment and consumer spending. speaking to City Business News, Courage Buti highlights the significant impact of these factors on the economic landscape.
6: The fiscal side has been slack all this while, and probably we need a lot more from that side to rein in inflation, really. And that is why I raise the question, without DDP savings, where would have the consolidation come from? And going forward, if revenue will continue to lag, like it's lagging, then we must begin to see some actual real expenditure control measures, I mean, in the form of uh, cutting back on some allocations to MDAs and other institutions and stuff like that to be able to keep the fiscal time Getting check If the monetary tools are working and fiscal policy tools are also working as envisaged under the program, we should bring down inflation faster and then stimulate growth through the credit channel.
2: That was an economist, courage, Boti. Now, a fiscal policy analyst, Dr. Alex Mpabing, has reiterated calls for government to firmly establish expenditure cuts as it grapples to meet its revenue targets. According to him, it has become imperative for government to close the gaps between its income and expenditure as it will come the current economic tensions. Yes, fiscal policy analyst, Dr. Alex Mpabing.
8: Expectations for the budget. Um, the first thing I expect is that we don't need a new tax. We do not expect any new tax at all in this very current situation we are in. Because the question is, which angle, which sector, which tax stand can we introduce at this time? But one thing we expect to see is a broader than, than the revenues. How far are those commitments that we have made, those lines that I showed you in the beginning, how close are we from the, uh, those lines? in terms of bridging the fiscal gap, You also would like to see details on the extractive sector reforms. I think that the message is more around curbing illicit financial flows, but the specifics perhaps, it would be good to have the details on. It would be good to also see realistic expenditure cuts because it's very unlikely that government will be able to meet those revenue targets. So I think it would be good for government to go back to the drawing board, assess government in totality, and see which areas can we realistically put the cuts on to balance the books. Also the flagship programs, now which one is going, which one is staying, how are we financing them? Because the clarity I believe at this time is very, very important.
2: That was fiscal policy analyst Dr. Alex Ampabing. Now, a banking consultant, uh, Dr. Richmond Itriyane, says the call by the Bank of Ghana to banks in the country to increase their investments in technology is not feasible due to the current financial constraints the sector is facing. The central bank is urging banks and all financial services uh, to increase their investments in technology to tackle the rising fraud cases in the sector. This is to ensure that the technology gap between bankers and some customers is bridged in order to address the menace. Reacting to the news, however, Dr. Richmond Tuyahine said this might not be possible as the financial sector is still suffering from the shocks of the domestic debt exchange.
9: The call itself is not bad. It's a very good idea. I mean, because that is where technology is, where the banking is going to go. But the caveat is after the GDP, the deposit there cannot be used to buy equipment. It is the shareholders who bring in the money for us to redeploy redeploying technology. So the call is fantastic, but it, especially with the domestic bank, it hasn't been made at appropriate time. If you ask those who invest in Flesky or Globus, they will tell you they are very expensive. Because, you see, when they talk like that, it makes you think that they don't even know what they're talking about. Because after the DDEP, most banks have no capital. So where are, they, where are they going to get money to invest in technology? The statements you know have been made at this moment in time. When banks with cocoa bills are going to suffer again, and those who of suffered hasn't suffered finally, you see. And when Bank of Ghana required all the banks to bring their capital requirements, as the governor said. And then you say, invest in capital, invest in technology. And the technologies are very expensive. If you invest in, say, Fleski, which I'm very conversant with. The time we signed on Fleski, it was about $2 million. And even if they structure you for 500000 every every year, it's not going to be easy.
2: Dr. Richmond Hene is a banking consultant. Well, that's how we close our curtains on City Business News. On Eyewitness News, it was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Akosia Oche. Up next is Point Blank.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
1: This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umar Rusanda Amadou. Tonight on Point Blank, we're talking about National Development Conference. It's a conference that was held in the central region, the Pentacles Convention Center. It saw many, 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 many people, especially important people, attended. It's a conference that started from the 26th of July to the 27th of July. it told over 2,000 stakeholders drawn from a broad spectrum of the society, religious groups, traditional authorities, political parties, media, professional bodies, civil society organizations, the clergy, etc. Met at the Pentecost Convention Center at Gomwa Fete. This was under the auspices of the Church of Pentecost to develop the first ever moral vision plan to inform Ghana's development agenda between uh, the two days after. Pentecost. So, tonight we're going to talk about the outcome of that particular conference. A a 10 point agenda or memorandum has been issued and signed by Apostle Eric Kwabna Nyamiche. He is the chairman of the Church of Pentecost and president of the Ghana Pentecostal and Charismatic Council of Churches. So let's speak to the memorandum now. Apostle Kumi is a General Secretary of the Church of Pentecost. Please join us on the line. Apostle, you're welcome to Eyewitness News.
4: Thank you very much.
1: Um, I see you have issued a 10-point memorandum after... Communique, not memorandum. Communique after the, the, the two-day conference. Before we talk about that, explain to us why you thought that we should converge on a center to look at our national development through the issue of morality, Ex- explain what the church intended to do.
4: Uh, thank you very much. Good evening once again. Yeah, we have, as I said, uh, a five-year vision that processing the nation, where we decided to let teach our members so that we we'll let what we teach in church reflects in our communities. So we are trying to let the kingdom values and principles of God be taught in the society. So last year we organized the first one for royals. So we gathered about 2,000 royals with about 80 of them being paramount to teach kingdom principles. And then later we set a platform to engage all ministers from various denominations. About 4,000 of them coming from about 480 different churches. So, this year, being the last uh, final lap of the five year vision, we decided to engage key stakeholders so that we can think about what seems to have lost, we have lost as far as our morals and principles are concerned. So, this engagement had to do with talking about moral vision, that is, what leaders ought to place uh, value on, and what things, uh, ethics, morality, values, principles, integrity, the so things that uh, are virtues which we seem to have lost. You bear with me that uh this be do things anyhow, when we i young, it was difficult for you to see a young man insulting an elderly. People don't value principles, we go to work clean, corruption is all over the place. From bottom up, nobody cares. Everybody is doing something else. So we thought the church could set a stage where we can bring more stakeholders to think about values. So basically, this is what informed the church to engage in that.
1: I see you had former President Kufor, former President Mahama, Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Obomia, the Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagbin, and a number of other ministers of state, members of parliament, politicians, religious leaders, and all of that. So, at the end of the day, two days, what did you come out with?
4: Yeah, thank you very much. It's good you are mentioning all these our fathers and key leaders in the nation. When we dreamt, we, en- we engaged them, and all of them bought into it. Yeah, yes, something is missing, which we have to engage. So they were all supported what we're going to do. They spoke into it, so we came out with some topics that we engaged. So the speakers were given specific topics to handle. And out of their presentation, after that, there were engagements, breakout sessions, workshops. So participants coming from all different uh, different backgrounds and startups of the society came out with their reflections on what they have and then they made some observations and we put them together at the community which want to uh, go again and discuss with all those we consulted and come out with us so that we'll be able to roll it together. Let me say Is that Uh, uh, a community that has been signed. It's a draft. Of course, is here to sign. It's a reflection of what we want to do. So by Monday, you come to the office and sign the final one. So what we have is a draft which the stakeholders, the participants, we all agree that these things are what we are missing. This is the way to go if we really want to develop our nation.
1: For people who are listening to us uh, who d- did not know what the outcome was, this communique mm-hmm. that the draft communique, someone listening to us in Tumu, for instance, they want to know this 10 point communique. Would you want to summarize for us the key takeaways for you which you would be adopting formally and presenting on Monday?
4: Yeah, thank you very much. See, we we observe a lot of things are not right in the system. So, to 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 summarize, we we observe that, especially the faith-based organizations, traditional authorities, media, and other news, we've been making noise about fighting against corruption, but we think our voices have not been uh, high enough. It may not be audible enough to, to to speak against the corruption, impunity, and injustice in the society. So we we observe that we urgently need our uh, leaders and citizens to have moral consciousness as far as our development agenda is concerned. Following that, we think there is a need, as it were, to come out with a National Moral Integrity Council, this a recommendation, which will have to, be, to lead us to begin a process of restoring the uh, generations of decay and moral decadence in our nation. We are also trying to push and say that we put a mechanism in place to eschew all forms of what is the next for me syndrome, the bribery and corruption, where you scratch my back, I scratch your back. And we want to come out strongly to do a campaign, a rigorous campaign, national integrity campaign, to sharpen the moral consciousness of Ghanaians. Ghanai. During this, we are going to really team up with uh, NCC N- N- strike this this draft one we put in place an implementation committee and on that committee we have NCC C- the boss is a member of it we have, uh, one of the commissioners from strike so we want to have a multi sectoral thing to facilitate these things so that we be able to push the, the things we think we have to do right and also we want to encourage the religious leaders to teach our members such that what we teach in our Bibles, from the Bibles, and, the, and our churches and mosques, we reflect in the society. We have about 90% of us being godly, uh, representing various states. And we think what we teach them, if they bring it out, Ghana wouldn't be where we are. We'll be able to live right and push our development agenda. The urgent development implementation of a national moral orientation program we also the rolled out and we are proposing that uh case ought to be uh, and we have to feel the moral morality in it you observe that no political party has a chapter on morality and venting its promises on what we want to do but if the people who want to do their things for them don't have moral vision it will be difficult to be able to push your, your development agenda. Let me take this. patriotism Petr- must be at the heart of all private and public organiza- engagement. It must receive attention in everything we do, educational, professional, vocational institutions, and everything. So uh, all we want to do is we want to have a moral vision, virtues, integrity, honesty, transparency, justice, fairness, equity. Is what we want to do after this, so when we release this panel we want to have a media engagement and then put structures in place we are praying that God will help us that and will put our shoulders on the wheel and make sure we restore the moral our moral values back to the system.
1: Are you not trying to legislate? morality can you make a law that binds on people's morality who really can make that determination and find someone guilty how how do you really intend to make that work
4: we are not going to uh legislate but if you look at the people who met we all we, we are the movers and shakers of our community if you have uh all these people there the the family heads are there. So if the chiefs are doing their best, the parents are doing their best, religious leaders are come on board, politicians come on board, the media. It's going to be education, not legislation. You see, like as a church, we five five years since the last five years we have been doing clean up campaign. We want to instill our people cleanliness to godliness. And then these three plants. And so, in doing these things, it's a, it's a matter of educating the people. You see, when we're kids, we're taught this, we're using for boys and girls to teach us. It's a matter of teaching the people, creating the awareness, reorienting ourselves, and knowing what is right and what is wrong. That's all.
1: I'm going to read for you uh, the observations you made. There are two points that jump at me, and I want you to clarify them.
2: And observation
1: one, you said that, that the moral character of the nation has dipped, as evidenced in the increasingly inefficient leadership at all levels, such as family, chieftaincy, religious, politics or political, etc., degradation of the environment, lack of integrity, disrespect in public discourse, corruption, lack of patriotism and volunteerism, in Ghana, do you do you mind elaborating on that,
4: eh? Yeah, thank you very much. This is just point one observation made by the over two thousand participants. We we did engagement and we realized that the the like parenting, the family values that we all cherish. Now we have a lot of irresponsible adults in the system. my language. Sorry, you uh, listeners. Uh, parents don't have time for their kids. They don't really teach them values as far as respect is concerned. So, we have been like, if each leader, the family, says, parents, chiefs, Now, brother, let's talk about Gala Is Gala not happening in various jurisdictions where we have chiefs there? We don't have Udikros and opinion leaders. Where we are kids, if somebody, if the chief calls. Ask the Gungunbiter to give it, or we all rally. So what we are saying is, if all these actors, the family heads, the chiefs, the religious, the political leaders, anybody who is the leader is prepared to do his or her bit, will be able to restore some of these things that we are losing. That's what we are trying to say, and to trust is Now, nobody loves the country. Everybody is doing whatever right the person wants far he gets what he wants for instance we are being told care is not taking it's not later we are going to import water are we waiting to that point where we're going to import water we say no opinion leaders must rise up and engage our people well,
1: there's a general critic of the church that mm-hmm. the church is quiet because of this the government or the party that is in office do okay. you as a church speak to the political leadership especially, and do they take your advice? Because there are many who think that if you stood up, the economic challenges we are witnessing, for instance, may have been averted. What, what do you say to that?
4: Well, thank you very much. Let me say that this is not political issue. This is about Ghana. Sometimes people think we don't speak enough. It depends on the leadership style that we have been using these days, some of us. That's I can speak for myself and my church. But sometimes it's not everything I have to jump to the public. You have to judge, or you have to discuss, you have to engage, and then be able to roll out. Have you, did, you, have you, uh, did you observe that they were all there? And have you asked yourself why all these people were able to come? My brother, we did not send... Let us start inviting our fathers. All those who you saw there, we went to them. This is what we think, or oh, the Lord has laid on our have to do. Our fathers, what do you say about it? We went to the president with the our point, and we brought into the vision. We met the Speaker of Parliament. We went to uh, former President Mahama. We went to former President Kufour. We met the National Executive Committee of NDC. National Executive Committee of MPP with Ghana Bar Association. We went to meet the Chief Justice. We went to meet the NCC boss. So we engage. This is a political. What we want to do it's not like a particular government is in place. That's why we are not talking. We are talking to all these people, and this is how we want to go. And the bottom towards yes, we support you. Let's do it and see what God will do for us. So we are not doing it for Party or party B. We are doing it for Mother Ghana. If you observe, there was no party color during the program. It was the only Ghana flag we wanted to see. We now want to push the development of our nation devoid of Pakistan politics. That's where the faith stands.
1: Thank you so much for speaking to us and we do pray that your prayer gets answered.
4: Thank you very much. So By Monday today, you will hear from us to invite uh, the media houses by like official engagement where we'll present the signed one and then we'll pick it from there. Thank you very much. We
1: we'll look forward to that. Thank you so much. That's Apostle Kumi. He's the General Secretary of the Church of Pentecost. That's how we end tonight's edition of Eyewitness News. My name is Omar Rusanda Amadou. I did this with Akosua Otri. Production tonight by Kobna Wilson. Technical support from Daniel Squashy. New media support from Edwin Kakufi. Eyewitness news is back on Monday at seventeen thirty GMT.
0: reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on facebook city97.3fm and on twitter at city973